Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If there's someone coming for you, coming against you, let the Lord judge. Let the Lord deal. Don't fight for yourself. Don't defend yourself. Let the Lord do it. And that was something my my old pastor told me that if you get into the habit of defending yourself, it could become a full-time job. You know, that all you be doing, no, I didn't, no, what happened was, and what they did, you know, and, and then sometimes defending yourself, you got to attack other people. Sometimes the best thing to do is just let, I'll let the Lord deal with that. I know who I am, I know what I've done, I'm going to keep it moving. That's not going to become my full-time job. What's your response when you get attacked by other people? Are you a fight person or a flight person? Some people don't get mad, they just get even. Some people sit and stew over things and build up with bitterness. Other people just talk trash and try to ruin the other person's reputation. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that when someone does wrong against you, then it's better to wait and let God deal with them. It's not always easy, but it's always better when you let God take care of it. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24, as he continues his message, Heart After God. I want to share a common misrepresentation and misinterpretation of this particular verse. Uh, So there are pastors and leaders that will take this verse and say, you know, you can't talk down the man of God. Don't you reach out. Don't you open up your mouth against the Lord's anointed. Um, So you got you some pastor that's in. Maybe he's, you know, teaching false doctrine or behaving in a way that's uncomely, that that doesn't line up with scripture. And you're not supposed to be able to correct him or convict him because we're not supposed to be able to correct him or convict him because this verse says that you're not supposed to touch the Lord's anointed. Right. I'm going to tell you why it's out of context. First of all, David is. David touching Saul was to kill him, right? They, they, so this is a whole nother situation. This is not a pastoral situation. Uh, this is one where um, you got a king that is messing up and David is saying, look, God anointed him. God's going to have to be the one to take him out. I, just for a proof text, um, if you're a note taker, write down Galatians chapter 2, 11 to 21. Uh, well, we all agree that Peter was one of, Peter was an apostle called by God, all of that, Right. Well, Peter messed up in Galatia. In Galatia, he went over there and, you know, there was a big Jew-Gentile divide. And so when the Jews were not around, Peter was chilling with the Gentiles, eating with them, hanging out. And then when the Jews would pull up, Peter would pull back. Like, you know, I'm not really kicking it with them. And when when Paul saw what he was doing, it says this. I'm going to read it to you in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, Paul speaking, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away by his hypocrisy. And so I says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter and before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Um, And and I'll stop there. Paul confronts Peter to us. He said, I'm going to confront you to your face in front of everybody because what you're doing is wrong and you're misleading people. 
Um, you're keeping the body divided when we're supposed to be bringing about unity. If you're going to eat with the Gentiles, eat with them all the time. Eat with them in front of the Jews so you can show them how it's supposed to go down. But don't switch up. Don't be changing teams. And so I use that because if it were wrong to confront a leader, then Paul would have been wrong here. But he did this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, back to First uh, Samuel 24. So it is OK to confront uh, or challenge or correct leaders if they're in error. And this verse is not speaking about that. This verse is not talking about pastors. This verse is talking about kings who are anointed. We're not even in that era anymore. So I just wanted to clear that up because people use this verse. So, you know, you, you go to correct the pastor. Don't, 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 don't stretch out your hand against the man of God. Uh, that's bogus. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong and why it's wrong. And, and that's going to be OK. Got got to got to deal with it. So moving on. So David says that, you know, he says, I should not do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. And it says, verse seven. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his own way. So David not only had to restrain himself, right? Just cut off the corner of the garment, let it be. Then David's men, David got 600 rowdy you know, gangbanger types, if you will. You know, he, he got 600 guys and he has to say, guys, no, we're not going to do this. this is why we're not going to do it, because the Lord, he's, a, he's the Lord's anointed. Right. And God's got to deal with Saul. That's not going to be for me to do. Uh, Saul is God's problem. God anointed him. God, God's got to be the one to deal with him. But it's, it's not going to be for me to do. Once again, I believe this is a demonstration of why the Bible says David is a man after God's heart. If David just wanted what David wanted, the easiest thing to do would be to kill Saul. We know David can kill. We know David is a warrior. We know David is no chump that this would have been nothing for him. But David was like, mm, the reason I'm not touching you is because the Lord is the one that anointed you. And I got to I got to honor God. I fear God. He anointed you. I got to let the Lord be the one to take you out. But I'm not going to stretch out my hand and touch, kill, take the life of someone that God chose at once upon a time. And so there is a great lesson here. And again, David not only restrained himself, but this is leadership, right? David had to restrain his men. And sometimes anybody here is going to be a leader. Sometimes you're going to have to lead people in a way that they don't necessarily don't see it the way you see it, but you got to lead them anyway. Everybody else, I'm sure, thought David, no, no, the, the Lord delivered him in your hand. David's like, no, he didn't. The Lord gave this is an opportunity for us to, you know, this is a, this is a, a test that we can either pass or fail. David had to lead his men in that moment uh, that they wouldn't do it. So because I'm sure they were like, well, David, if you don't want to do it, bro. Go have a seat. We got you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. But David stopped them and allowed Saul to get up and to get out of the cave. And so, again, I think David exercises great restraint. And even though he knew um, he was God's choice. As king, he had now been anointed king. David had to do this very difficult thing on waiting for God's timing. And I think sometimes it's difficult when God shows us what he's going to give us, but then he didn't give it to us right away. And I was I was pondering that this week. Obviously, I'm waiting on the Lord for some things. Right. But there's a trend in scripture where God will tell somebody something way before he's going to do it. And I'm like, why do you do that, Lord? Like, why did God tell Joseph when he was a little fella? Man, one day you're going to come here and everybody's going to bow to you. <laughs> and that didn't happen for 40 years. You know, almost. I mean, it was a long time before. But God told him way back when. That's what I'm going to do for you. 
Why did God tell Abram and Sarah, you're going to have a son, son of promise. It's going to be amazing. And in years and years and years and years. And then God waited until they were old and decrepit. You know, then he did it. Not, I don't say decrepit, but they were old. They was up there, you know, in case you were around that age, you know. But uh, he waited until they was way old. And then he, but they, all that time, all that waiting before God, but then God eventually did it. And God told David, you're the king. Matter of fact, Samuel, oil him down, anoint him. You're my guy. But all these years got to go by before it comes to pass. All I can tell you is this, as we're studying through 1 Samuel, you sometimes want to look at the Psalms that go along with it. There's something God's doing in the in-between time, if you let him. Look at the in-between time for Joseph. The Lord took Joseph deep. Joseph got to know the Lord. Joseph had some experiences with God. Joseph was so impacted by the time the brothers came to bow, there was no anger. There was no malice. There was no desire for revenge. Joseph said, oh, man, you guys, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive today. Y'all don't even know. I'm not even, I'm going to take care of y'all. I'm going to put you up and put you guys in nice places. I'm going to take care of everybody. And when their dad died, they were like, okay, now he's going to kill us. And David said, Joseph, man, stop, stop. I'm not worried about y'all. I'm on a whole whole nother place now because all that time with the Lord, I've learned some things. I know the Lord. And but God took time to all that time. And so uh, if you're in an in-between space, right, if you're in that if you're in that hallway of wait, I love this acronym for wait. It's wait, uh, worship and intimate time. Right. Some people in, in the wait, they're anxious. They're worried. They're fretting. They're trying to figure out how to rush God. Y'all know you can. I'm going to tell you something. Right. You cannot rush God. If God is going to do it in three years, you could you could you could you could pray your face off this year happening in three years. God's going to do it when God's going to do it. So it's good for us to say, God, part of faith is, God, I believe you and I, I trust you for your timing. Your, your timing is going to be perfect. Not my timing, your timing. Your timing is always going to be perfect. It'll be it'll be right when it's supposed to be because you're God. You know what's best. And so I trust you for that. It'd be cool to me if it was today. But if you say today is not a good day for it, then I'll wait till tomorrow or whatever you say uh, takes faith. But that's what David here is exercising faith. I'm going to wait on you. You got to deal with Saul. Um, you got to bring me into my position. Uh, and though you told me a long time ago, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you. And again, as you go read the Psalms. David had lots of intimate time with the Lord. His brokenness is expressed in the Psalms. His praise is expressed in the Psalms. And a lot of the Lord's responses and interactions with David back and forth are expressed to us in the Psalms. So don't let your wait be a time where you're not looking in your waiting. Look to the Lord because it can be really rich and deep time where God's ministering to you while you wait. Um, But make sure you're looking to him while you wait. Worship and intimate time with the Lord. Amen. All right. Verse eight now. It says, David arose afterwards, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face on the earth and he bowed down. I want you to note the humility of David. Right. I wouldn't even feel like I'm going to respect you as the king no more. You've been such a chump. But David says, you know what? He called out to Saul. When Saul turned around to look, David stooped down with his face to the earth. He bowed down. And in verse nine, David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. 
So David wants Saul to know, bro, I had you. If, it, if, 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 it was, if, if I wanted to get you, I had you today, but I didn't do it. So evidence that I have no desire to, to do something bad to you. I had you, caught you slipping. You was in the cave. Look at your little piece of your garment. I mean, imagine for Saul to look down and see that, ooh, he got a piece of, what? He, got, he had me. You had me, had me. And David saying, so if, if, if I really wanted to get you, you know I'm a warrior. When you were scared of Goliath, I took him out. You remember that. Um, you know, you killed your thousands, I killed my ten thousands. You know the song. Uh, you know, if I really wanted to get you, I had you. But ever, clearly, that's not my agenda. And it's as though David is wanting to, like, he, David still wants this relationship. He still wants this peace with Saul. He wants it to be right. He wants Saul to know, I don't want to kill you. I don't, I don't listen to anybody that's telling you that because... I didn't do it. And David still calls Saul. Uh, he is the Lord's anointed. This this spoke to me in a couple ways. Saul is, in fact, the Lord's anointed. But Saul is sinning. Saul is living wrong. Saul is actively pursuing David for death. Everything about Saul's life is wrong. But David still honors the position. There are people that God calls us to honor their position. And I want you to know whenever he does it, it's despite them. When God tells a child, I want you to honor your mother and father. He never says if they're honorable. He just said, I want you to honor your mother and your father. Honor them. Honor them. Why? Because God said so. Not because they're honorable, not because they're doing a good job, not because they're doing the right thing, because God said, honor them. That's why you do it. There are relationships like that where God said, I just want you to. I just that's what I, that's how I want you to live as a believer. I want you to honor that position, honor that person. David here is honoring this position. The Lord anoints, and it's a big deal. At this point, there's only been two people anointed by the Lord, Saul and David. It's not like, it's not some lightweight thing. God's not going around anointing everybody, you know, that he sees. And so he's like, that's a big deal that God anointed you. And so I'm honoring the position that you're in uh, that we could take from that lesson, right? If there are people that are in authority, people that God has said, hey, honor, honor that place, honor this, we should do that. Uh, there are men that God has put in my life. That I know God has called me honor that individual. Now, here's the thing. You get close enough to people, you see their flaws. And there are men that I'm called to honor that I've been close enough to see flaws. Not terrible, wicked things, but just flaws. And God says, honor that anyway. Honor them anyway. Honor, not because they're honorable, but because I put them in your life for a reason. And that's how I want you. I want your position to be this. It's good for you. Sometimes it's good for us to be in the place where we got to humble ourselves and we got to honor and we got to be respectful. And maybe we know better. Maybe we're doing better. But God still wants you to honor that person. It's good for you. It's humbling for you. It had to be humbling for David to bow down and speak to Saul this way, the way Saul was behaving. But he did it because of the Lord. And again, this is why David was a man after God's heart. He just I'm doing what pleases the Lord, not what makes sense, not what feels right, but what is right before the Lord. Uh, verse 11 now. It says, moreover, my father, see, David calls Saul father. Some think because remember, David was Saul's son-in-law, even though we're going to find out next week that Saul took his wife and gave him to somebody else. It's messed up. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it, it could be that that was the relationship that he, he, he saw Saul as a father or that he was, in fact, his son-in-law. But he said, moreover, my father, see. Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. No. And see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. So David is confronting him. He says, look, man, I, I spared you. 
but you hunting my life right now. I, I spared you when I had you, but you're hunting my life to take my life. Verse 12, let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. And so now David's a little stronger lane. Hey, look, let the Lord avenge me on you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later for those of us that may be under attack. Um, anybody here ever been attacked by a person? Right. OK, so I've experienced it in my family. Um, I've experienced it in the church. I've experienced just brutal attack, you know, for no reason. Untrue. Uh, you know, you name it. We we have experienced sometimes Satan to get a hold of somebody weak. And they just come for you. Wham. And I'm like, what are you with this? What, what, what are you upset? Of? We just you, you know, yeah, what? what exactly is it that we did? And and um, and sometimes you'll find that people just the enemy just they just they're coming for you, coming for the attack. And so when that happens, we got to remember who we represent, even in those moments, sometimes even to those individuals you know, that are the ones that are attacking, the ones that are saying mean things or coming against you or whatever. God's like, I want you to love them. I want you to be gracious to them. I still want you to, you know, sometimes God's, I want, I want you to still pastor them. Cause I'd be like, well, you could go. You could, you could, there's the doors right there, you know, and, and that's not always the answer though. You know, sometimes that's the answer. You come in here and make a mess, you know, but sometimes God says, no, I want you to bear with them for a while. Um, hang out with them for a while. There was a, a couple when we were earlier starting, and they came out of a cult and uh, then they came to us and um, I actually went and they had all these questions. I spent time answering all these questions. And uh, then later on, they just lied. They said, hey, he came over. He, he wouldn't answer any of our questions. I'm like, what? I spent three hours answering, literally answering questions. And, and, and this is what came out of it over a while. They they had been in such a, a ugly scenario and situation so controlling and spiritually unhealthy that bearing with them for a while won them over they became their friends to this day um the lord healed that situation he brought you know he brought it full circle but there was a moment where it was like man what is this it's just sometimes weakness sometimes it's it's just the enemy it's attacks as a believer sometimes you're going to come under attack and you can't default to what you used to do when you didn't know the lord because some of us, when we didn't know the Lord, when you attack me, you, you better be you better be ready for the, for the show. You know, uh, I, I can attack, too. You know, so and now as believers, God is saying, no, nah, I want you to let that go. Let me avenge that. If it needs to be dealt with, let me deal with it. Let me avenge it. Let me handle that situation for you. Uh, and I'll give this last illustration. I, I had a job when uh, right before I went to Bible college, I worked at this telescope company and. Uh, there was a, I, I went from one department to another. So I went to work in the warehouse. I had got promoted into this position and I'm, I'm on, I'm on high. I'm in there. I mean, I'm loving the Lord. I'm, I got, I'm witnessing the folks. I'm going for it. And so uh, there was a couple guys in the warehouse and I would witness to them, share with them. Uh, one of the guys wanted to be a comedian. And so I know he was doing stuff at clubs and whatnot. So he got me aside, him and another guy. And they had asked me what looked like very serious questions about the Bible. So I was like, oh, man, I'm all game. And I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm, when I'm telling you that, that the Bible is how you reel me in. So I'm answering these questions and I'm I'm giving it out. And the guy's asking me about Noah's Ark and the animals and this and that. And I'm explaining why and what God was doing and creating all these different things. And then when he got done, there was a punchline. And uh, so when he hit me with the punchline, I realized all of this was a joke. Everything in my flesh said, you know what? These these dudes are taking advantage. They don't know who I was. 
they don't know what I, you know, I know what I am underneath, you know, the Jesus in me. And I was, I, I cannot tell you that I was so tempted to just, I was going to unbox. I'm going to unbox the old man. I'm gonna, y'all need to see real quick. You know, you're not going to be pulling me aside, asking me some stupid questions like this. But I didn't. The Lord wouldn't let me do it. Right. And I held my peace with our boss who they've never seen. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I play around. I smile. I'll be singing to myself. She saw my countenance. And she waited later and she called me, she said, come up here. And she called me into the office with another lady. She says, I want to know what just happened right there. And I'm like, ah, it's all good. And she's like, no, I, 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 could, I know something happened. I want to know what happened. I'm like, I'm not giving it up. I'm not going to be the snitch. If I'm not going to sock you, I'm not going to snitch. You know, <laughs> here's what happens the next day. Both of those guys the next day are demoted. I never said what they did. She called them in separately. And I don't know if they said what happened or whatever. Both of them were demoted. And so I go back to work and I'm like, oh, why are you over there, bro? Like, <laughs> no, I didn't do that. You know, but it was the Lord showed me that, you know, you could have done something and maybe you'd be gone or you'd be in trouble or you don't ruin your witness. But God had just dealt with it. He 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 complete. And I didn't necessarily want them to you know be demoted or lose a job, but. I did see in that God was like, you don't. if you stay out of it, I'll deal with it. Right. That was going to be too much for you, because maybe if they did it one more time, I was going to snap. And the Lord's like, look, you, you need to see, you need to see. I got you. I got you, Bill. I, I know you got limits. You know, you, you're growing. So the Lord, the Lord handled that. My point in all this is if we stay out of it, we can stay right with the Lord. And if somebody else needs to be dealt with, let the Lord do it. Let the Lord handle those problems. So David says, look, the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand's not going to be against you. I'm not going to be guilty of doing it myself. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. And so David just said, look, wickedness comes from the wicked. That's who does wicked. If you're doing wicked stuff, it's because you're the wicked. That's essentially what he's telling Saul here. Um, verse 14, after whom has the king of Israel come out and what of whom do you pursue a dead dog, a flea? Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And so even here we see David is just humble. David said, look, I'm, I'm a man. What are you? Why are you? I'm just I'm not a big deal. David doesn't see himself as a big we do. Because we see David after the fact, right? We see David as the sweet psalmist of Israel, the king, one of the good guys. But David here says, man, I'm, I'm just a dog, dead dog, a flea, man. I'm not, why are you even bothering with me? I'm not even a big deal. I go back home to my daddy house, man, and watch the sheep. I'm not, you know, I'm, David wasn't trying to be something. The Lord had plucked him out of the sheepfold and brought him in. Saul and David's gifting, Saul plucked David out of his dad's house to come play for him because the evil spirits were tormenting him. And so, again, he says, the Lord judge, the Lord be the judge between you and me and let him see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. Once again, so I want to emphasize what God emphasizes. If there's someone coming for you, coming against you, let the Lord judge, let the Lord deal. Don't fight for yourself. Don't defend yourself. Let the Lord do it. And that was something my, my old pastor told me that if you get into the habit of defending yourself, it could become a full time job. You know, that all you'd be doing. No, I didn't. No, what happened was and what it did, you know, and, and then sometimes defending yourself, you got to attack other people. Sometimes the best thing to do is just let, I'll let the Lord deal with that. I know who I am. I know what I've done. I'm going to keep it moving. 
that's not going to become my full time job, you know, because uh, that's a very stressful thing to do. You always got to be defending and fighting and arguing and bickering. Sometimes the, the best thing to do is just let it be right. Jesus is maybe the greatest example of this. Right. When they accuse him, he was like he could have answered, but he didn't. It bothered them. They're like, look, do you know who you're in front of? I got the power to take your life. He says, no, you don't <laughs> You think you do. You know, you don't have power to take my life. He didn't even bother. I'm not going to answer you. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with these things. So glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David and 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.